Taylor, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. So, uh, for those who may not know, Cody doesn't really watch baseball at all during the regular no. season. And there's five okay. games, I think there's five games left in the season. So, welcome to baseball, Cody. So, baseball season has officially started. That's good to know. Yeah, playoff baseball. You said when playoffs are here, that's when you watch baseball. <laughs> So five more games. How are the Astros doing so far? Uh, I think we're in second place, if I'm not mistaken. So it's, uh, I mean, everything looks good up to this point. So I guess it's like once we're in the postseason, we'll just see how everything rides out. But I feel pretty good personally as a fan. Yeah, playoff baseball seems to always be a little bit more interesting. There's actually stakes surrounding each game, which I feel like. Oh, it's intense. 162 games. It's hard to think every single one is important. But September and October, there seems to be a little bit more urgency. So, yeah, that's always the time that I start paying attention. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be intense, too. Well, we got a ton of games to cover today. So we'll try and move through them as quickly as possible or trying to cover as much football we can as for the week ahead. But with that, let's go ahead and hop straight into our first game. It's a familiar opponent that we've talked about at nauseum at this point. I think they've just about made an appearance on every single episode. Number one lock of the week, Bills over the Houston Texans. This is just something that we will continue to talk about with the Texans, a roster talent that is just not as superior as the Bills. The Bills look like over the past two weeks, they're really starting to catch their stride. That first week matchup against the Steelers is looking more like a fluke. You know, week one matchups are always a little bit interesting. You have the most amount of preparation time for that week one matchup. And it looks like the Steelers just out prepped the Bills for that matchup. And the Bills over the past two weeks have shown more of the form that we expected to see from them this season. From the opposite side of the ball, I, d- I can't speak too many positives for the Texans in terms of a real-life offensive performance, but the talent of Brandon Cooks cannot be understated anymore. He is performing regardless of quarterbacks. I think he is on his fifth franchise at this point, so being able to read multiple offenses, multiple multiple coaches, multiple quarterbacks, this guy's a stud. He's really starting to move into that set-it-and-forget-it regardless of matchup because he is going to just absorb everything from that side of the ball. Taylor, this is your home team. We've heard plenty of thoughts about what you think this season is going to be. I'm more interested on the other side of the ball. What do you like from the Bills? I saw you have this as your number two lock of the week. What did you like about the Bills in this matchup, and what do you expect to really carry out in this game? Well, Josh Allen and this Bills offense have just really, really come into their own. There's some questions as to where Stephon Diggs was during this game last week, but ultimately, Josh Allen is just torching people with his aerial attack. He's got the running backs involved as well. So you've got to be really happy with the way this Bills offense is is going. We know Sean McDermott's always going to have the defense intact for the Bills. So I feel like just based on how things went last year, the Bills look so good. And that loss to the Chiefs just sort of, I guess, put a bad taste in their mouth, so to speak. And so they've come into this year fumbled out the gate with the Steelers, but since then, the Bills have just been playing lights-out football. It's like they're just this buzzsaw that's just going, and whoever's in their way, they're just going to cut right through them. And so it just happens to fall in an unfortunate timing for the Texans to go up against the Buffalo Bills, who are just, I don't know how you can beat this team. 
I like the defense as a whole for the Texans and what they can do against this Bills offense, but Josh Allen is a worthy person of mentioning to be in the MVP conversation when the season is all said and done. So, Absolutely. Improving to be worth every dollar that he was given this past offseason. I expect from a fantasy standpoint, Stefan Diggs to finally get that second touchdown. He's so far with only one touchdown. I expect Stefan Diggs to eat this weekend against a Texans defense who is still capable. But Taylor, this wasn't your number one pick for a lock of the week. Tell me what was. My number one pick for lock of the week is I've got the Tennessee Titans over the New York Jets. No surprise here. The Jets are just awful. It's just absolutely awful right now. Their offensive line is very terrible. Nothing seems to be going right. Actually, just a sad story, in my opinion, about this franchise and what they're doing. So I got to give some credit to to their first-round pick, Zach Wilson, just to hang in there and take the punishment, so to speak. The Titans, I don't know how serious teams are taking the Titans at this moment. I personally am a little bit surprised, might even say shell-shocked to a degree, because this team that they were last year does not look at all close to the team they were they are this year. They just there's something different about this Titans team, and it's not a good different. There's there's concern there. I have a question about the Titans defense. Sure, yeah. They are ranked the 26th, tied for 26th in terms of the defensive fantasy rankings. If you are, say, dealing with a team like Washington or something like that who has proven to not be as valuable of a defense this season as we thought in the preseason, do you trust this Titans defense to get back on the right track or at least be worth a start against the struggling Jets offense? I believe the Titans are, are definitely worth a start against this Jets offense this week. I just think that Mike Vrabel and this team, there's so much talent there that I just think that they can get this right playing against a team like the New York Jets, where the Titans need to come out. They need to they need to dominate and make a big statement to the league against the Jets this week. They just got to do that and get maybe even just more for themselves to feel right and feel good going forward in this season. So moving forward into our next lock, I expect the Chiefs to handedly beat the Eagles. You mentioned the Chiefs beating the Bills last year. The Chiefs, that might have been their last shining moment before what has happened over the next four games. So the Chiefs in their past four games, including the Super Bowl, are one in three. Their opponents that they are losing to include the Buccaneers, who we know their powerhouse there, the Ravens struggling after a, a loss against Las Vegas and really needing to make a statement, and now the up and surging Los Angeles Chargers. We heard plenty of interviews this offseason how Travis Kelsey was pissed and embarrassed in what happened in that Super Bowl. I think after accounting for two additional losses and sitting at the bottom of the AFC West for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' tenure, this team is pissed. I think this is a buzzsaw game of a team that is angry and upset and really needing to correct things. And you're going against a team who has an infrastructure that is successful. It has proven to be no easy out against their opponents so far. But we're looking at a team that can adapt. And we have such great talent in so many positions, particularly on the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs, but certainly with leadership from guys like Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew from the defensive side. There are plenty of things to improve. I think a heavy dose of film this week 
and corrections being applied is going to make this game readjust what people believe the Chiefs are capable of this season. There's not too much analysis here. It's just one of those intangible intuitions that I really think is going to drive the Chiefs to just beat the hell out of the Eagles. So let me ask you this question. What is it about the Eagles that you do like that could maybe make this game a little bit more interesting with the Chiefs? Like, I don't expect the Eagles necessarily just to lay down and eat it, but what do you like about the Eagles going into this game with the Chiefs after what you saw last week against Dallas? Well, without a doubt, I think the easiest answer to that is going to be an offensive playmaker at the quarterback position. We saw that final score not represent exactly how much of a blowout that was because Jalen Hurts continued to produce, particularly for fantasy managers, even with two interceptions, the rushing upside, the playmaking ability. He clearly has connection with Jalen Rager. He can seriously find some help with his old teammate, Devontae Smith, but also you have guys in the backfield. I understand Miles Sanders has been very, very susceptible to burn me multiple times as a fantasy owner, but I really, really enjoy watching the potential that this run game for Philadelphia, which includes Jalen Hurts, certainly, but with Kenneth Gainwell on the up and coming, and I believe who will eventually take over the lead back role in Philadelphia, I think there's plenty of things to like offensively. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they are certainly improved from last year, but going against the speed and the consistency that this pass game can really put on top of you, I think that is where the weakness is going to be exploited for Philadelphia. So moving into our next lock as we continue to try and keep up the pace and move along, Taylor, tell me what you think about when the Saints are playing the Giants this weekend, an 0-3 team desperately needing a win. The Giants are weird. I'll just say that. They're just a weird team, and I can't quite figure them out because defensively it seemed that they did do a pretty decent job against Atlanta. But this is the New Orleans Saints. This is Sean Payton, and I do think this offense is very capable of scoring a high high set number of points on this Giants team. And also their, their defense is far superior to what the Giants have on their side of the ball. So I just expect that the Saints are just going to come on against the Giants and just take over against them. And the one question I might have is just what kind of Jameis Winston we're going to see. Is he going to – the main thing with Jameis is if he can protect the ball and and maintain that ball security against this defense, you know, then I think the, the Saints are going to come out just fine out of this. Sometimes there's this tendency with him to – take some really unnecessary risks that are just like, man, why'd you do that? That was weird. Yeah, Sean Payton has shown to be a very capable coach, regardless of the opposition this year. He got a win against Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest coach currently rostered in the NFL right now. So I think there's a lot to overcome here for the Giants. I'm just excited to see Saquon Barkley in the end zone. I hope I can see that happen again. I expect Daniel Jones to have to really carry the load a lot this time, but ultimately that Saints defense has just been a crusher this season. So I really agree with you that they are a lock for this week. However, they are just outside of my top three locks of the week. I have them at number four. 
I believe a very similar outcome to be happening here as well. Moving forward, we want to just keep speeding this along into our final, this is my third lock of the week. I was feeling boisterous. I think this is not as close as many media members believe. I think there is a lot of romanticizing of this matchup and overlooking how unequal these two teams really are. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a Super Bowl-ready team from top to bottom. Sure, there's been some issues on the defense, but there is something to be said. When Tom Brady is coming off of a loss, he does not get a second one. When Tom Brady has to have emotional reasoning to win a game, that is death and taxes levels of certainty. I believe, as many analysts have talked about this week, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers recognize how important Tom Brady is to their roster, to their Super Bowl hopes, to any career aspirations that that entire roster has. They also understand how important this game is for Tom Brady. And it's not only going to be Tom Brady having a big game, but it is going to be everybody stepping up and elevating the roster to the same way that he elevated the culture of their locker room last year. You are going to see that roster elevate what we saw from last week, which was still impressive, to a game that is Sunday night football, all the romantics, everything in Massachusetts going on. It doesn't matter. This team is going to make things known that they are detached from that legacy and they are ready to build a new one. I think it's very similar to the insight that I gave towards the Chiefs that this is just too much emotional cost to lose this game, that you cannot lose these games and especially you cannot stack two back-to-back important losses for a Super Bowl-bound team, which we believe the Buccaneers currently are. I don't think there's too many things to cover on the Patriots side of the ball, considering this is a lock for the Buccaneers. Mac Jones, not great last week, three interceptions. There are plenty of drops that are happening from these free agent ads like Jonu Smith, which one of them turned into a pick six. I got to see more daggers from that Patriots passing game before I believe that they have a chance in this. We saw James White could possibly be out for multiple weeks, maybe longer. So there are some questions to be answered in that running game. But I don't want to spend too much time on this. Taylor, where do you have this game in your locks? I've got the, this is my fifth lock of the week. Buccaneers just bowl over the Patriots. So I don't think there's going to be much contest there to that personally. I just expect the Buccaneers to come into New England and roll out. Sure. And this is what we're here to do. We're here to give the football nerds insight on what media is trying to present as a better game. We're just here to throw some fresh paint on this wall and let people know that this is not as entertaining as people think it is. So don't necessarily set aside too much time. It's probably worth paying attention to the introductions, hear the boos, hear the cheers, hear the see the tears. But ultimately, I think there are some closer games this week to really pay attention to. And that's what we're going to go into next. So my third closest game of the week is the Ravens over the Broncos. I find this game very interesting because I think we are starting to get a better handle on what the Ravens are. However, the Broncos currently sitting at 3-0, but against a combined opponent record from the previous three weeks of 0-9. They have played the Giants, they have played the Jets, they have played the Jaguars. All consensusly at the bottom three 
of most experts NFL power rankings. I am interested to see if this Denver team, as I've been hearing from multiple Broncos fans, is for real. I love what I'm seeing with Teddy Bridgewater. They seem to finally have that position resolved or at least elevated from what we've been seeing over the past four years. We saw Jerry Judy earlier this season. Now we all have KJ Hamler out for season. It's time for Tim Patrick, who I believe was one of the more prominent free agency pickups in fantasy football, to really elevate and step up. They've been playing with the lead almost the entire season. I think we're going to see a much more capable opponent that is going to constrain that offense and not allow near as much rushing impact or as near as much safe offensive play calling to be successful. On the opposite side of the ball, Marquise Brown has got to start catching balls. He has dropped three end zone touchdowns. This guy is what we believe to be the next number one receiver in Baltimore. But the guy has got to start being a consistent, reliable target because I don't want to see Lamar Jackson continue to utilize his legs as the number one option. Sure, it's successful, but as we see with all these running quarterbacks, Father Time eventually says no to that plan of action. I don't think this game is as much of a runaway, but it's mostly due to uncertainty on both sides of the field. Taylor, where do you have this in your close game rankings? I've got six points wagered on the Baltimore Ravens over the Denver Broncos in this game. So I don't necessarily have it as close to my bottom three as you do, but it is warranting a, uh, what will be, I think a close game in some measures. I just, I have other games much closer than I think this one will be because I think the Ravens are just that talented and, and I think they just are getting their stride going, but This is the first time I think the Broncos are playing a real legitimate opponent from what they have played the last several weeks. So I got to give credit here to Baltimore taking this one. Do you want to go ahead and go into some of those other close games that you have for this week? Sure. Tell me who your third closest game of the week is. Okay. So my third closest game this week is I'm taking the Washington football team over the Atlanta Falcons. I don't have a whole lot to say on this game, truthfully. I think part of me... Well, I already know this. We know the kind of defense that the Washington football team has going up against a team that uh, like the Falcons. I'm wanting to see, is there enough there with Taylor Heineke to kind of carry this team into a strong run? Because many people, like myself, and I think you did as well, had the Washington football team picked as our NFC East division champion. At this moment right now, it's not looking that way. That was my pick, but ever since Ryan Fitzpatrick went down, I just thought, oh, no. I felt that he was enough for what this team really needed just to kind of to carry over uh, from what they did last year into this coming year. But even to that point, it's not the offense that's holding them back. I think you and I, as we spoke in our pre-production meeting, this defense is not at all what we expected it to be going into this season. No, unfortunately it's not. I they they looked so good last year compared to what they're doing right now this year. So in some ways, Cody, this does feel like a coin flip in a lot of ways, but I'm going to go ahead and just give the nod here to Washington. I think that they've got enough here that they can get this win on Atlanta. This seems more of a game about trying to wait and see on the pattern recognition that we're going to apply to both of these teams. We need to see a little bit more from Atlanta to believe in them going forward. 
And we need to see a lot more in Washington to believe that they are more capable of securing wins, at least from a prediction standpoint. But moving into what I believe the next closest game for the NFL nerds and fans alike is the Dolphins over the Indianapolis Colts. This game will be in Miami. I think there is plenty incentive from both sides of the ball to win this game. And ultimately, I couldn't necessarily give an advantage too heavily to either side. So that's where we and lie are close games of the week. And that's why I picked the Dolphins in this particular game. From a fantasy side of things, I really want to talk about how this Dolphins passing game seems to have a little bit more predictability. We love Tua, but there seems to be a little bit more predictability happening with Jacoby Brousset. And I think with folks who have Jalen Waddell, who have Devontae Parker, Will Fuller dealing with some injuries right now. We'll see if he suits up on Sunday. But I'm a little bit more confident in this passing offense with Jacoby Brissett. I think the rushing capability is there with Tua. However, the injuries just cannot hold up against that style of play calling. On the opposite side of the ball, again, sticking to the fantasy side of things, I think this is a Jonathan Taylor game through and through. We expected that last week against the Titans. It was a bad defense. It should have worked out. Obviously, an underwhelming performance from Jonathan Taylor. Carson Wentz has two sprained ankles. This is going to be such a struggle, I think, that you want to get the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands. You want to take that leadership role away from him, at least for a second here, and really let that run game of Naeem Hines, of Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack possibly in trade talks here, so I don't necessarily want to include him in that conversation, but this run game has playmakers who have shown consistency and I think they can really carry the load here if Indianapolis is supposed to win here, which I don't believe they can, but I believe that is the only chance that they have of really producing here. I think despite the 0-3 start, despite the injuries, a lot of the things you did say are valid in terms of the Miami Dolphins getting a win this week. The Colts are in trouble, and they know they're in trouble. In hindsight, I trust this team a whole lot more going into this week than I do the Miami Dolphins. So despite the 0-3 start, despite the injuries, I just trust the Colts more heading into this week, and they desperately need a win. If they are not to get this win this week, then there is a real, real dire problem with the Colts based upon all the expectations of them coming into this year could be they had so many, they have all the right pieces in place. It was just waiting on that quarterback who could excel this team to where they need to go. Unfortunately, there's a lot of injuries and things here that's really holding the Colts back. So I trust them more primarily because of the fact they know they're in trouble and they got to capitalize this week on Miami. Totally agree. So go ahead and let's rock and roll into your next closest game of the week. Taylor, you love defense. You love watching capable defensive units smash heads against one another and see who can be more successful at the very end of things. I think the talk of this next matchup is how improved these two units are from last year. Tell me what you like about the Cowboys and the Panthers this weekend. Well, based on what we saw this past week, 
I think Dan Quinn has redeemed himself in some ways as to the kind of capable defensive coordinator he is. He's got this Cowboys defense flying all over the place. I mean, Micah Parsons has been a stellar draft pick for the Cowboys. And Trayvon Diggs has just been a spectacular cover corner in this league right now. He's very much established himself this year as one of the best premier corners in the game, I personally think. So there's just a lot to like here about this Dallas defense that's going to definitely be a significant challenge for this Panthers offense, who has been doing a really good job. Unfortunately, they are without Christian McCaffrey, so that's going to prove some adjustments here for what the Panthers can do as an offense. But I still think the Panthers have a lot here that can still merit a a possible victory, in my opinion, where I actually have the Panthers getting a surprise win, what many would think, over the Dallas Cowboys. I think there's just a lot of personal hype riding over the Dallas Cowboys. I've got nothing against the Dallas Cowboys in this in this aspect here. I just know that there's just a lot of talk right now uh, coming out of Dallas. And it's good. It's good because what you see is hopeful and promising. I just recognize this Carolina defense is really, really special and really talented. And they're going to cause problems for Dak and Ezekiel Elliott and these guys on the offense. So we're going to see a really wonderful game here with two formidable defenses going at it pretty hard on these offenses. So I'm expecting a very close game. And I just think the Panthers might actually edge out the victory here on Dallas. And I don't know what people are going to think about that with me saying that, but that's just what I think right now based on these last few games I've seen from Carolina. I love this pick. They just barely missed my close games rankings. I only wagered four confidence points on this game, but I believe the Cowboys are a more superior unit as a whole on the offensive side of the ball, particularly with a weapon like Christian McCaffrey missing from the arsenal. I believe this game is a similar storyline to that which we mentioned with the Broncos and the Ravens, that Carolina has to prove that they are the real deal. There's plenty of people second-guessing and undermining their 3-0 record And there's plenty of doubt to be had with the Cowboys. I love this pick, but I ultimately just placed it outside of my top three closest games of the week. Still a great one to circle and make sure to mark on your DVR. My final and closest game of the week. I apologize in advance for anybody that ever listens to the recommendation for this game because it could go terribly. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be beautiful offense. It's not going to be wonderful defense. But I think my closest game of the week is the Detroit Lions getting their first win against a division opponent in the Chicago Bears. This game is in Chicago. And I believe that this game is full of so many unknowns. We love what we've seen with the Detroit Lions keeping games tight against Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers, all within one score. I think there is plenty to be criticized about the Chicago Bears from an offensive standpoint. And I think what makes this game so close is going to be that Chicago Bears front seven. I ultimately think the most interesting part of the Bears and that which keeps them in games is that front seven of Khalil Mack, of Roquan Smith, of all these folks. So Taylor, I know you're a big defensive guy. This has been a really defensive-heavy show so far. 
Tell me what your thoughts are on this matchup, but more specifically, how a unit like the Bears defense can really catapult themselves to overtake this win. The Bears defense have enough there to cause issues for Jared Goff in this offense. So even with Jared Goff, he has been playing really well despite the losses. It's just that the Bears defense is really, really challenging. I actually think this game is going to be so I, – I find it being pretty close as well. It didn't, it didn't fall in my bottom three. I've actually got five points here picked on the Lions as well to take the victory on Chicago. So I'm expecting the defense for the Chicago to keep them in this game. But ultimately, I just think that the Lions have – they've lost some really close games to some good opponents – there's a lot to say here that that has impressed me so far with this Detroit Lions team. My question I wanted to ask you is, since we both have the Lions picked in this game, do you think this could be the last game we potentially see Matt Nagy coaching the Chicago Bears if they come out with a loss this week? I don't want to necessarily say unfortunately, because I have liked some things from Matt Nagy in the past. However, the current decisions being made on this offensive game plan are just not inspiring. We saw last week a total of 47 yards. I mean, that's including sack yardage and all the negative defensive playmaking that was really happening on the Cleveland defense, which I think was more of the storyline than the lack of offense. That Cleveland defense is a real deal problem, but I don't think firing coaches this early in the season helps anything particularly when you're trying to generate some form of routine, consistency, whatever you want to talk about it for a rookie quarterback. It's so important that they see what an entire experience for perhaps the wrong coach can look like before you replace them. If they lose here, to answer your question, I'm sure the long way around as I do with most of these, I think this secures the firing of Matt Nagy, I think it's at the end of the season or perhaps, you know, prior to the last week in the season. But ultimately, I don't think this is our last game that we see a Matt Nagy. It's maybe not this bad, but it kind of gives me the similar feeling that the Cleveland Browns had when they had Baker Mayfield and Hugh Jackson as the head coach. Doesn't it feel somewhat similar to that in a way? Sure, but I mean... Having one win in two years is a whole lot different than Matt Nagy. He went to the playoffs last year, so... But do you think the Bears are a playoff team? No, 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 no. However, I'm interested, as I talked about earlier, in how good or bad Mitchell Trubisky actually is. If we're seeing this kind of production with Andy Dalton, with all these folks who we believe to be better than Mitchell Trubisky. So, who knows? That's a question for a later date. But in the meantime, I think this is a coin flip game, and I'm really interested to see how it turns out. Like I said, could be ugly. I apologize. Please don't send the fate hate mail to me. Please send it all to Taylor. So moving into our Thursday night preview, Taylor, I'm really interested. I doubt the ratings are much to gawk at at all for this Thursday night football preview. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to Cincinnati to try and beat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you think is something that an NFL fan would really 
want to put under the microscope and pay attention to here? Well, this is a Thursday night football game at its finest. If we're going to have a Thursday night football matchup, why not have it be the Jacksonville Jaguars playing the Cincinnati Bengals? It just seems fitting. We've had some good ones so far, so who knows? This could turn out well. I know, but this also goes back on just so many previous conversations you and I have had over our thoughts and feelings towards Thursday night football in general. And this just feels like one of those games for a Thursday night. (laughs) But all this aside, we get to watch... Two quarterbacks in recent time that have been the number one overall picks. Yeah, it's the number one pick of this year versus the number one pick of the previous year. Yeah, I just don't think there's enough turnover time here for the Jacksonville Jaguars to merit their first win on the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals in this game. I actually like how this Cincinnati offense is moving the football. Jacksonville's in in some real trouble here. I have a question for you. At what point in this season say you're running the Jacksonville Jaguars, do you believe sitting Trevor Lawrence is in your best interest? I don't even know who their backup quarterback is, but I don't want to see the behavior that could become a pattern as we've seen with Joe Burrow, at least at the beginning part of the season where he was running scared and making errant throws, these sorts of things. What time do you believe it's a time to start being worried about the production or at least the safety of Trevor Lawrence? Probably now, but then who else is on your roster that's better than Trevor Lawrence at the quarterback position? Garner Minshew seemed to be the right guy for being the starter this year in Jacksonville because he had already proven so much already that he's more than capable of being a quality starter and allowing your first round pick to just kind of sit and hang tight for a year at least. Joe Burrow was one who was thrusted into the starting quarterback job right away. And granted, I don't think it's necessarily given him bad habits or anything at all. But I can't help but think about guys like Pat Mahomes, who sat behind Alex Smith. And I'm also looking at like an Aaron Rodgers even sitting behind Brett Favre. But I'm just looking at guys who are in really good situations that are rookie quarterbacks that it wouldn't hurt them to sit for a bit. Like Justin Fields can easily sit behind and Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, and just wait. Because we don't even know if Matt Nagy is going to be there next year. And then Trey Lance is in a sweet situation at this moment, sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo. And so Jacksonville, in my opinion, made a real mistake in trading Gardner Minshew. It wouldn't have hurt Trevor at all whatsoever to just sit and wait his turn behind Gardner Minshew, at least just for a year. But I think the Jacksonville Jaguars wanted to pump up the hype right away with Urban Meyer coming in and Trevor Lawrence being the number one overall pick, being the face of this franchise. It was clearly a a consumer move, in my opinion, for that franchise. I agree. This franchise has been full of some questionable decisions. I was personally a Garner Minshew fan. I thought anybody who was ever looking at what would be possibly a downtrodden season to put Garner Minshew in there and at least make things exciting for the fans. Whether this season has turned out as bad as, I believe, the realistic administration within the Jaguars staff believed it would, I think there is just so many things that could be done differently and correctly, and certainly we're looking at it from a 2020 vision of hindsight. But I'm just wondering... 
what would be the problem of just watching this first year from the sideline and then trading Garner Minshew in the offseason? Even from Garner Minshew's standpoint, he has a much greater chance of being productive and helping out his resume in Jacksonville than I believe he does in Philadelphia. So anyway, that's topics for perhaps this offseason to really talk about. But ultimately, I'm not super excited about this. This could be shock and awe and all of a sudden it turns into a game. But I don't see, as we talk about repeatedly, pride wins being very important for the Jaguars this season. They don't strike me as an emotionally driven team that is so necessary to overturn an 0-3 schedule. But that wraps us up for the entire week four preview. We got some close games. We got some locks that maybe you want to just take a peek at but not spend too much time on. And we got a little Thursday night football preview. Taylor? I really appreciate talking to you every single week. It's always fun to roll through the week ahead of football. Yeah, man. Thanks for talking to me. And I'm always enjoying talking to you about these things every week. We'll have another show coming out Monday with our recap, our explaining what went wrong. Hopefully it's a short episode and we don't get too much wrong. We'll see how correct we come out of all this. Well, if there's one thing that I know, it's I'll be more correct than you. That's what we've spent a lifetime figuring out. Okay. But in the meantime, we'll keep pumping these out and keep throwing them y'all's way. Appreciate you guys. And we'll see y'all next week. He's going to put dog food in Todd's water. I, I told him not to do that earlier today. <laughs>